Mark chapter 4 this morning, please. Mark chapter 4. I want to speak just for a few moments on the topic, God's truth is marching on. Mark chapter 4, we begin reading in verse number 26. If you're here this morning and you don't have your Bible, I encourage you to grab one from the seat in front of you there. Matter of fact, if you don't have a Bible, take that one with you. It'll be our gift to you. But uh, that's the same version that I'll be reading out of this morning, the New King James Version. So help yourself to that if you need it. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Father God, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the parables of our Lord Jesus Christ, that as we look at two of them this morning, I pray you'd speak to us. Help us to be clear in our understanding of what you're saying here. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Forgive me for anything that would hinder my usefulness today and help me to preach clearly and accurately and practically. May I say only what I should, and uh, may I say everything I should as, as boldly as is needed. And protect me from saying anything I ought not. So bless this, bless this time. I pray that if there are those here today who need this message in a particular way, that the Holy Spirit will apply it to their hearts. I pray that none of us will leave this place without responding to your word today, just as you would have us to do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this passage that I just read to you today, there's actually two parables. We're going to look at them both this morning, two of the shorter parables that Jesus told. And both of these, I believe, he was using to explain the same thing or, or different aspects of the same thing, which is the growth of the kingdom of God. The growth of the kingdom of God. In the parable of the growing seed, which is the first one we read there in the first few verses, he taught that the kingdom will grow and it will grow mysteriously. In the second parable, the parable of the mustard seed, I believe he taught that the kingdom will grow and it will grow miraculously. And so let's look at those two things, the mysterious growth of the kingdom and the miraculous growth of the kingdom. First, verses 26 through 29, he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. I believe here he's telling us the kingdom will grow mysteriously. And as we read that first parable, it's usually entitled, and you may have it entitled something like this in the heading in your Bible, something like parable of the growing seed or parable of the growth of the seed or something similar to that. As we read that parable, we can't help but compare it to something we talked about a few weeks ago, can we, which was the parable of the sower and the soils. You remember that one? He just told that one a few verses earlier in this same chapter. Both parables speak of a sower. Both parables speak of seed. In both parables, the sower scatters or sows the seed, and in both parables, some of the seed takes root and grows. The emphasis in that earlier parable, the parable of the sower and the soils, uh, was, was really that not all would be saved. 
Not everybody would be saved. That only the seed that fell on good soil resulted in growth. We talked about that. Then there was a secondary emphasis in that first parable as well, which is that we ought to be diligent in throwing seed because we don't know what kind of soil it's going to land on. But now in this second parable, I think the emphasis is slightly different. Uh, We might say it picks up where that first one leaves off, because the first parable, the parable of the sower and the soils, left off with the seed growing, bearing fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. It grew. But now in the parable of the growing seed, I think Jesus is developing and building upon that idea of the seed germinating and growing. But I also think there's a slight difference as well. Because here he's talking about something very specific. Notice verse 26. He's talking very specifically about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And that's a term that Jesus used a lot. Uh, Sometimes you'll see him using the term kingdom of heaven. If you're reading from the Gospel of Matthew, usually Matthew would have recorded it as the kingdom of heaven. But the terms are used interchangeably. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Sometimes uh, you'll even see uh, just the kingdom of Christ or even just the kingdom. And all of those phrases can be used, I think, interchangeably. Easton in his Bible dictionary points out that there's, there's three different ways that we might view those terms, three different things that they mean. They refer, first of all, he says, to Christ's mediatorial authority or his rule on the earth. Number two, he says, they refer to the blessings and advantages of all kinds that flow from this rule. And number three, they refer to the subjects of this kingdom taken collectively or the church. Now, Easton wrote in 1893 or something like that, and so he's a little wordy. And here's what he's saying. He's saying that the kingdom of God then simply refers to the reign of Christ in the hearts of believers in the collective which we call the church and over the whole world, the reign of Christ. And that kingdom, he says in this parable, is growing. His reign is growing. His church is growing. The kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but probably you're like me. Sometimes we get a little discouraged by what we perceive as the state of the church, don't we? I'm not talking about our church here. I'm talking about the church as a whole now. Sometimes we drive through neighborhoods and we see church buildings that one time the gospel went forth thundering from the pulpits and now they're boarded up. You've seen some of that. Sometimes you see church buildings that are uh, turned into apartment buildings. I worked near one of those. It used to be a church, and now people live in it as apartments. Pizza shops, that's always a good use for a church building. And it can be discouraging when we see that. But the fact is that that's not the true state of the kingdom. When we see that sort of thing, that's not the state of the church. Jesus says in this parable that it is working, that it is growing, that it will triumph, and that God's truth is marching on. Now, three different emphases he gives us in this parable that we need to be reminded of. First of all, he says the growth of the kingdom takes time. It takes time. Notice the reference to the passing of time in this parable. As I read this, I'm, I, I, I get this picture in my brain. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like one of those time-lapse scenes in a movie where the clouds and the stars go rolling fast in an accelerated fashion to try to indicate to you the passing of time. And that's exactly what it talks about here. The farmer sleeps by night and rises by day. Verse 27, time passes. Time passes, and it takes time for the grain to ripen. 
if we look back over the 2,000 years that the church has been in existence, we see tremendous growth, don't we? If we look back over that long period of time. What started in a small upper room in Jerusalem now geographically covers the globe. There are more being saved now than ever. We don't hear about that a lot. But thanks to missions, it is true. The last frontiers are crumbling. We hear constantly of massive numbers of people being saved in the 1040 window. Go to a website called the Joshua Project and look at some of the statistics that are out there of the people who are being saved in those lands. Look at the numbers who are being saved in lands that are dominated by Islam. It's astonishing. The church is growing. The problems we sometimes have, and the reason I think that we sometimes get discouraged, maybe it's just me, uh, is because sometimes you can't see things when you're looking at it too close, when you're up close to it. It's kind of like watching a pot boil. Uh, Sometimes you can't see it. Sit there and stare at it. You don't see it. You walk away for a little bit and come back, and oh, something changed. It's boiling all of a sudden. I'm told that bamboo grows sometimes at a rate of one inch per hour. Amazing. But I defy you to stare at a bamboo plant and see it growing. You can't see it. If you walk away, you can come back. And so we need to take heart. The church is growing even if we can't see it. Time is passing, and we're getting closer and closer and closer to the day when we look back over the days and nights of time and see that it was growing all along. And so the first thing that I think Jesus is teaching us here in matter of this, this matter of the, the growth of the kingdom is that it takes time. Secondly, he's saying that the growth of the kingdom is mysterious and unexplainable. The seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer does not know how it works. And you know, it's interesting, even in our 21st century, and and with our 21st century minds and with all we've learned, it's still marvelous and mysterious to watch a seed sprout and grow. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head, verse 28. We live in this day of of, of amazing and wonderful scientific inventions and technology. So many of life's mysteries have been unraveled by the scientific minds God has blessed us with. Every time we gather for prayer, we pray for people with cancer and marvel at their healing. Not very long ago, cancer was a death sentence, and today people are cured of cancer all the time. And now we pray for another in our midst with that same thing. But scientists cannot explain everything. Some things are just mysterious. Job's friend Zophar one time asked, can you search out the deep things of God? And we have to answer no. We can't, not in every case. Certainly not in every case. Some things remain outside our understanding until God decides to share them with us. And that is how the growth of the kingdom works. It's mysterious. We cannot totally understand it uh, because it is a work of God. Paul told the Corinthian believers, I planted the seed Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Yes, the kingdom is growing, even when we can't see it or understand how it's growing, for God is making it grow. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter the seed on the ground, should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. The third thing that he mentions here, and I'll just mention this one briefly uh, in this particular parable, he mentions that the growth of the kingdom ends in harvest. Ends in harvest. Verse 29, when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Pretty obvious what he's saying here. There is an end to the growth. There will be a day 
when nobody else will be added to the kingdom, when no more souls will be saved, when opportunity to be in on the greatest thing in the universe, the greatest thing the universe has ever known or ever will know, the kingdom of God, when the opportunity for that will be passed. And there's a very simple application that arises from that, isn't there? Are you ready? Are you ready for that day? When the grain is ripe, immediately. I think it's interesting that the Holy Spirit chose to put that word in there. Immediately. The sickle will be applied and the harvest will occur. There's simply no time to waste when it comes to your soul, my friend. Larry Norman's song, I think, describes it very, very well. You may have heard it. Let me just quote a little bit of it. He said, a man and a wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. So the growth of the kingdom ends with the harvest. Well, that's the first parable. The first parable which describes the mysterious growth of the kingdom. Now let's notice the second parable, verses 30 through 32. The parable of the mustard seed that describes how the kingdom will grow miraculously. He said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds of the earth, but when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And again, we see some similarities here, don't we, with the earlier parables. Again, Jesus is speaking of seed and sowing and growth. But here we have yet this other emphasis. This time it's on the miraculous nature of the kingdom's growth. In the parable of the growth of the seed, the emphasis was on the mysterious nature of it. Here in this parable, the emphasis is on the miraculous. Jesus described the insignificant beginnings of the kingdom, comparing the small size of its beginnings to the tiny size of a mustard seed. When, when we were in Israel, I, I know at least one time that uh, this occurred, we were shown a mustard seed plucked right off of the bush and placed in our hand, and it was indeed a very, very tiny seed. And when you think about the beginnings of the church at Pentecost, there were only about 120 people. Acts chapter 1 and verse 20. I don't know how many people we have in this room this morning. We're kind of full this morning. I'm guessing we have over 100 in here. And so about this size was the beginnings of the church. The beginnings of Christianity were smaller and more seemingly insignificant than many church congregations are today. But the mustard seed grows into a large bush. And Jesus used that to illustrate the miraculous and large growth. That would occur in the kingdom. God's kingdom is growing. God's kingdom will grow. And God's kingdom will grow miraculously. Isaiah said of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And I quoted this verse once this morning, but I'll quote it again. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Miraculous growth. Several points in this parable bolster the thought that the growth of the kingdom will be large. And miraculous. It grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs. It shoots out large branches and the birds of the air nest under its shade. Now that reference to birds is interesting. That, that the, the birds of the air has been interpreted a couple of different ways by various uh, commentators. The, the birds may refer to the nations of the earth. That's one, one way some people interpret it. In other words, all nations will be represented in the kingdom is what he's saying there. 
Of course, we know that's true. We know that that's true because other places in, in, in Scripture tells us that. For example, John in the Revelation wrote, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And so Jesus may have been saying there that the miraculous growth of the kingdom will include and be represented by uh, people from every nation. But another possible interpretation, and this seems to be the more common one, is that the birds of the air refer to Satan and his ilk. Jesus used birds to illustrate Satan earlier. Look back at chapter 4, verse number 4, in the parable of the sower and the soils. It happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. I'm looking for the other reference. I lost my place here. Verse number 15. But then at verse number 15, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And he taught the same truth other places as well. He taught the same truth in the parable of the tares. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together into the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Judas Iscariot is a perfect example of this. Judas Iscariot, he was right there with the eleven in the very midst of the fledgling little group of the disciples, and yet he was a tool of the enemy. How Satan must have gloated when his pawn betrayed the Son of God to the cross. And how Satan must have howled when his tear among the wheat accomplished nothing and the Savior burst forth from the empty tomb. You see, we can rest assured that God's truth is marching on nothing will stop it. It is an unstoppable force. Mysteriously and miraculously, the kingdom is growing. It will be populated from every tribe and nation of the earth, and it will grow despite the enemy's best efforts to stop it. So I think there are a couple of applications that we can make from both these two parables. And let me just share them with you. First, I think there's an application or a challenge, rather, to the Christian, to the believer, And I think it's the challenge Paul gave to the Galatian believers when he admonished, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Oh, believer, we need to take heart. We need to realize that the cause of Jesus Christ is advancing. We need to take heart because the kingdom of God is growing. We may not always see it, but it is true. We may not always be able to explain it, but it is true. The lies and best efforts of our adversary, the devil, are irrelevant and will not even slow it down. We need to rejoice, for God's truth is marching on. We need to let these parables encourage us. You ought to smile every time you read these parables, because they tell us a message that is so glorious that those of us who are part of that kingdom of God that we speak about can say along with Sonny over there, we win, we win. But secondly, I think there's a challenge here for the unbeliever. 
And by the unbeliever, I mean the man, the woman, the boy, or the girl who has not yet turned your life over to Christ. There may be some like that here today. And the challenge for you is a sobering one. God's truth is marching on. The question is, will you be part of it? The opportunity is coming to a close. The fruit is ripening. The harvest is approaching. Will you be ready? The deadline for being part of the kingdom of God is fast approaching. And so I ask you, will you enter it before it is too late? Julia Howe wrote, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. I have read a fiery gospel writ in burnished rows of steel. As ye deal with my contemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the hero, born of woman, crush the serpent with his heel, since God is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. He is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is honor to the brave. So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of wrong his slave. Our God is marching on.